You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savian! Empty backfield with three receivers, right? Russ is going to throw to the end zone. Reaching up, making the catch. Touchdown, Seahawks! Hollister, the tight end, in between a couple of defenders and in right in the middle of a gaggle of Seahawks receivers. Hollister makes the touchdown catch, and now Seattle goes on top, 12-0 over Washington. Well, all good things have to come to an end, including Washington's four-game winning streak, unfortunately. But... There's lots of reasons to still be encouraged, and I am not talking moral victory-wise either. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are on the iHeartRadio Network, and we thank you for listening. As always, hey, don't forget to uh, subscribe and download to us as well, will you? Uh, Lots of stuff to talk about today. Hey, Coach Ron Rivera just got through with his Monday meeting with all of us over the virtual Zoom app, so... We're going to bring you that because there is some interesting uh, comments in there, as well as take you into the locker room from last night for exclusive locker room access. Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young, and others. So here we go. We got to wrap it all up. Now, on the surface, this loss was not a big deal. As a matter of fact, this was almost a free game for Washington yesterday. Had they won, they were not going to be much further along the path of possibly clinching the NFC East than if they had lost, it turns out. Most of that because, obviously, the Giants lost uh, to Cleveland last night. Now, had Washington won, it meant that should the Giants lose again this weekend, Washington would clinch regardless. But... Since they didn't, the status quo stays the same. It stays the status quo. Yeah, it stays the status quo. Washington still has a one-game lead on New York and essentially a two-game lead on the Cowboys because while the Cowboys technically stay alive, Washington obviously owns the tiebreaker. Philadelphia, I know a lot of people are saying Philadelphia is done. There are still a few ways that the Eagles could win this thing. That being the division, but it's, I mean, it's, they got to have a whole lot of things break right for them. This is really easy for Washington. It's all right out there in front of them. Win and you're in. That's the easiest explanation right there. You win two, you're in, no matter if the Giants blow out Baltimore and Dallas 40 to nothing in each game. Won't mean a thing. Now, having said that, they've still got. And this is what you'll be looking at sometime on Sunday. Washington beats Carolina, and that gives the Burgundy and Gold seven wins. We said a few weeks ago it was looking more and more like seven wins could be enough to win the NFC East. That puts them at seven and eight. Now, the Giants have Baltimore at home this Sunday. And Baltimore is not just a desperate team 
but a good one as well. You could, you could realistically be looking at someone in the AFC staying home with an 11-5 and record. Baltimore needs this win because Miami is proven to be a tough out. And yeah, Miami, has, uh, the Dolphins have got a couple of killers down the stretch. They got, they've got Baltimore. Uh, the last weekend of the season, and they've got the Raiders, no sure out these days, uh, this weekend. So again, you know, you're looking at Dolphins, that the Dolphins-Raiders game can go either way, depending on which Raiders team shows up. So the Ravens know that, that they need this one. And they're just a flat-out better team than the Giants. I don't see the Ravens coming out of this game, uh, coming out in this game flat. So if the Burgundy and Gold handle their business this weekend and pick up win number seven, get seven and eight, and the Giants lose, that's it. That's it. It's done. And Washington is the NFC East champs. And it won't matter what happens in Philly if the Giants somehow manage an upset, but Washington still wins. Then they go to Philadelphia knowing that a win and they're in. Or if they lose and the Giants lose, they still go. That's basically where you're at. So that's how big that seventh win is. The status of both Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson, two of the three best players on offense. Um, oh, you know what? Let's say two out of the best four because we got to give we we've got to start thinking of Logan Thomas as a pretty darn good tight end right now. But the status of Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson right now, unknown. Sounds like they're a little bit uh, more positive about Gibson, at least coming into this thing um, this Sunday. But we'll wait and see. Dwayne Haskins yesterday, 38 of 55, 295 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a quarterback rating, 72.9. Almost even with Russell Wilson in terms of rating. I don't know. I just don't know what to think about Dwayne anymore. And I'm a big Dwayne Haskins backer. And I think that, at least I thought coming into yesterday, the prudent course of action was to roll with he, Alex, and and uh, Kyle Allen next year. But you got to look at the eye test, too. And we can all see it. I mean, we all know exactly what we saw. No points in the first quarter. A field goal late in the first half and 12 unanswered, you know, 12 unanswered points in the fourth that left him just a little bit short. Two interceptions, both of them in the red zone, they were killers. I just don't know. And if I'm saying I just don't know, that probably means I really do know and I just don't want to admit that Washington needs to move on from him. It's a frustrating thing with, with Haskins because at times you really do think that you're looking at another incarnation of Jamarcus Russell out there. And then you get the fourth quarter where he just plays lights out and puts the ball on the numbers, makes the right reads, and does, every, does everything that you want a franchise quarterback to do. I don't know if it's that – I don't know if it's all on Dwayne is – some of it on Scott Turner and the way he called the game. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not qualified to make that determination because I'm not a coach. I would 
certainly like to hear the opinion of others, but that's that's one of those things that we can't really know unless we're inside Ashburn because we don't know what goes into a game plan. We don't know, you know, what concepts are on individual calls when we say, oh, well, he missed this read or he missed that read. It will be interesting to watch the tape and, you know, at least see if he missed any big reads or anything. But it's just impossible to say right now. Um, but I think it's looking more and more like if they haven't made the decision yet, they're pretty close to making the decision that they'll move on from Dwayne in the offseason. And now I'm, I don't know if it is a mistake or not. He was, he was given a raw deal when he got drafted. He was given a raw deal in that he didn't have a proper offseason to learn Scott Turner's offense. But, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where he should have at least, I think, played better than he did in the first half. Um, we'll hear him say in a little while that he got angry with himself after the second interception, and that's what that's what led to in his mind, him playing better in the fourth quarter in those two touchdown drives. But see, the problem is that if that's what it takes, if it's anger that, that is what it's going to take to get you there, well, you need to figure out a way to get pissed off from the opening kickoff because you, you can't play. I mean, you can't have a franchise quarterback play in the first three quarters the way he did and then the fourth quarter like that it's too up and down and I understand that Antonio Gibson wasn't there I understand that they've been without Kelvin Harmon all year a franchise quarterback elevates you know the entire team you could say I thought one of the biggest keys yesterday was the fact that Cole Holcomb and Kevin Pierre Lewis weren't able to play because of injuries Uh, but again a franchise quarterback is one that's going to make everybody better and put the entire team on his shoulders and and carry it to a win in a game where either A, you have to have it, or B, against a team that top to bottom is probably a little bit better, a little bit to a lot better talent-wise. And that didn't happen. Despite the what-ifs. Well, you know, what if they had made the two-point conversion? Or what if Dustin Hopkins hadn't missed the point after they would have been in range of kicking a field goal to go into overtime. But you know, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, uh, every day would be a Merry Christmas. All right. Uh, let's hear what Ron Rivera had to say today after looking at the tape. Maestro, cue the dramatic music for me. All right, here we go. Here is Ron Rivera this morning, his virtual meeting over Zoom with reporters. You know how it always is with coaches. we got to read in between the lines. So listen to what Rivera said when it comes to Dwayne and both the first and second interception. In terms of, of, of decisions he made, you know, you, you, you sit there and go, wow, you know, I, I saw what he saw. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, maybe a more experienced guy doesn't or maybe a more experienced guy throws the ball somewhere else. Um, on the first one, you know, you looked at it. Uh, we saw what happened. There was a guy breaking to the sideline, uh, and he threw the ball. But he, you know, you you sit and go, "Wow, he, he should have threw it a little bit more in front of him, or he should have tucked it and ran, or he could have threw it sooner." Um, but again, you know, you 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 can't fault 
him for trying to make the play. On the second one, that was, you know, that, 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 I, I, you know, that, that, that was a tough throw. You, you know, you, you want to, at that point, you want to just go ahead and take the check down. So basically what he's saying is that second throw was on Dwayne and it's a mistake he shouldn't have made. And so you got to ask yourself, you know, how many more chances does he get to correct mistakes like that? Because it sounds like it was a pretty elementary uh, mistake that at this point, at least according, at least if you listen and read between the lines, maybe what he's saying is at this point, he doesn't feel that Haskins should be making those mistakes. How much more patience do you have with him with mistakes like those? Let me take you back to last night. Uh, and again, we'll listen to what Dwayne had to say about specifically the second interception and then the fourth quarter rally. Stuff happens in a game and um, really it's just not letting the mistakes carry on to the next series and next play. So um, after that play, I put it on myself to do as much as I could to help this team come back. And, um, you know, we fell short and, um, man, I thought we had him at the end. But, um, you know, things to learn from, things to work on and improve from, things on film that I'll get better from. And, uh, you know, looking forward to next week. I mean, a, a good answer. I want to give credit to both John Keim of ESPN.com and Darren Haynes of WUSA in D.C. They were the ones that John asked the original question and then Darren followed up. Uh, about, you know, about the getting mad thing. And again, all that is well and good. And it was almost, um, it was almost a miraculous fourth quarter comeback. And we'd probably be sitting here if they had come back and won the game and, and saying how Dwayne is a cold blooded, you know, gunslinger out there, but they didn't. It's going to be, it's, uh, it really is going to be a tough decision for this coaching staff and this organization because he seems, Dwayne Haskins does, like he's right on the cusp of getting it and and becoming the franchise quarterback that they want. But who's to say that he's able to get over that hump, to get past that cusp, whatever, you know, analogy you want to use. You've only, you know, windows for contending for championships only stay open for so long. Starting next year. Believe it or not, it looks like this team is going to have a window. But how do they go about getting through that window, about using that time? Do they try to develop a franchise quarterback and this potentially becomes some sort of super team? Or do they think that the path forward is with a dominating defense and develop and or find a quarterback that's a game manager? That's just that's not going to give you what we saw in the first three quarters. I don't know which way they go. I really don't. I, I think that they're going to go in the direction of finding a game manager out there, whether that's Kyle Allen, whether it's, you know, and I think it can be Alex Smith for another year. But then what do you do after that? I, I don't know that they've seen enough with Dwayne to make that commitment. Remember, next year is going to be year number three. And if you sit here today and say, okay, we're going to roll with Alex next year. Well, then that means you project Alex and it probably, it, it may or may not happen. And, you know, most quarterbacks miss time during the season because it's a physical game. But that means that you're, uh, you know, you, you go in saying, okay, Alex is our quarterback every Sunday until he's not because of injury. Now, if he misses a game here and a game there, 
you know, Dwayne gets a chance to start, and you see how much he learned having been in the system for a year, et cetera, et cetera. If Alex Smith suffers an injury next year that has him, you know, miss six, seven, eight weeks, what happens? You've got decisions that you've got to make salary cap-wise on this team. Guys like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and, and all the guys on defense. So which way do you go? I don't know. But I think at the very least it's getting laid awful early for Dwayne to show him that he's he's gotten over that hump. Back inside the locker room now, let's catch up with Terry McLaurin, the captain, despite being double-teamed most of the day and Seattle's defensive plan at least for the first three quarters, that said, we are taking Terry McLaurin out of this game and he's not going to beat us. Here's the mark of not just a good, but a great receiver. Despite all the attention that McLaurin got yesterday, still wound up with seven catches for 77 yards, and they were hard yards too. And Terry was was uh, supportive of Haskins uh, after the game, saying, you know, he, he stuck to it, and that's why they had the success that they did in the fourth quarter. Um, I feel like, you know, he just continued to stick with it. Um, oftentimes you may have seen where uh, he made a few mistakes and, and it's kind of like a snowball effect, but I feel like he was just with a next play mentality. And, um, you know, I feel like he bounced back in a good way. And, uh, you know, we just didn't get it, get it done as a team. And now McLaurin says you got to put that one behind you and get ready for Sunday because it is really on the line this time around. Like we said, you win, and you're on the cusp of being in. Next game mentality. Um, can't do anything about the last one. Um, and, you know, we got a, um, a Panthers team that's coming in next week um, that we got to focus on, and we can't hang our heads and, and worry about this missed opportunity when we still have opportunity to make the playoffs and, and, and get what we want. So... Um, you know, we're going to learn from the film tomorrow, come in, try to get our bodies right and uh, focus on the Panthers coming in next week. Um, but this is not a time for us to hold our head down. Um, we just got to come out better than we did this week and, and hopefully we come out on the other side. Be interesting. I, I wish this is one of the reasons. One of the things we hate about COVID is that you can't be in the locker room after the game to judge what the mood of the team's like. Everybody can get up to the microphone and, and say what Terry did. And I do believe him, by the way. But you'd like to be able to see it for yourself because there have been times uh, the last few years where you've, you've seen them hanging their heads in the locker room after a game like that, where they came out and, you know, flat for so much of it and then had a chance to pull it out at the end and it didn't work out. And, and you've seen them hang their head. But – you have to give Ron Rivera the benefit of the doubt that he is starting to change that culture there. Culture is something we're going to talk about in one second. First, though, maybe the star of the game, at least statistic-wise, Logan Thomas. Very quietly turning into a TE1. So much so that you never know. Maybe that is not a position now you focus on in the first two rounds of the draft. If you think that Thomas is hitting his stride and he's starting to become that tight end that can help dominate a game. And that's one of the things we asked Logan after the game. 
what are the what kind of strides has he made this year that's turned him from a free agent that really wasn't on many people's radars into possibly you know now you got to say it now what are the better tight ends in the league uh, just playing being able to play the game and um, just get a full understanding uh, for what defenses do and um, how to attack them because everybody does something a little bit different and get an opportunity to play is, uh, um, is is special and that's when you really learn the most you know down 23 obviously a lot of teams would would fold it in what what is it about this team you've been down a few times at half and, and made comebacks that, that you guys seem to be pretty resilient uh, that's how we're built you know, we're built with tough strong and uh, mentally tough guys and and uh, I'm proud of the way we battle every every single snap. Uh, there's not one snap that we let go to the side where we're not really battling and, and want to be great. That's tight end Logan Thomas. All right, let's get back to Ron here. Very interesting what he said in, uh, in his interview today about the fact that somebody asked him, is the culture change coming along faster this year because of the fact that the team is in a race for the division title. Listen to what he said. You think that's part of it. I think the fact that we've had something to play for every week has, has kept that energy level high. And I think that really kind of shows just how important it is to, 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 to play hard and play well, because every week we talk about, hey, we control our destiny. Every week we talk about we have a chance. And that I think is important because especially with young guys, they see it. As long as there's hope, I, I think they feel like, wow, you know what? I got a chance, man. We got a chance. And so we're going to continue to compete. So I, I think that's kind of helped expedite our growth and development. Um, and I think it's kind of helped with the culture because, you know, one of the things we talked about before the season started is that, you know, hey, there's going to be protocols. There's going to be rules. We've got to be wary of these. we got to always have them in our mind. Um, because at the end of the year, it, it could be the team that survives. You know, the team that's gotten to this point, got to this point with with fewer COVID incidents, may be one of the teams that's on the rise. And so we've kind of worked that way too. So hopefully that's something that stays with us. Now hindsight's 2020 there, but you have to stop and ask yourself, when Ron Rivera, as he claimed, looked at the schedule, looked at the standings, saw that even after what a month even after a one in three start the division was wide open and he made the switch to Alex Smith you had to wonder if he was thinking about the fact that because of the uniqueness of the NFC East this year if you're going to instill a culture change you had the best chance to do it you know with Alex Smith at quarterback because of the fact he gave you a better chance to win if you've got a better chance to win then it's just natural. It's human nature that this team would see that the way Ron Rivera wants to do things is the way they need to be done, and they buy in. And I've always said, I mean, football coaches, talk to any football coach at a high level. Hell, high school on up, really. High school, junior college. I, I have a, a good friend, old fraternity brother. He spent a year as the head, as the offensive coordinator at our alma mater, the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, and they didn't win a game that year. And ever since he's been the head coach at Jones County Junior College in Mississippi, he knows X's and O's. I mean, 
could talk circles around any of us in the chattering class. He knows as many X's and O's as Ron Rivera you know, or, or Bill Belichick or any other coach. Every coach knows basically the same amount about X's and O's. It's all about how you manage your players, and a lot of it is about luck. I mean, Bill Belichick was a retread when he got hired in New England. You think the Patriot way would have been the Patriot way if they didn't win six Super Bowls? No, of course not. So the fact that now the players, I mean, Rivera's got 100% buy-in in the way he wants to do things. And the reason for that is because this team is winning. And maybe they're not winning with the guy that the last regime or that the owner thought could be the face of the franchise, but they're winning. And, you know, culture is a major component to winning. It's a hell of a lot more than just talent, especially when you get to the NFL. Now, again, is that just hindsight being 2020 and we look back on it and say and, and kind of see what we want to see? Yeah, possibly. Or, but hey, you know, the fact that we're where we are with it, if Ron Rivera wants to take credit for that or somebody wants to take, you know, say that that's what Rivera was doing, hard to argue otherwise, that's for sure. All right, Mick and the Clock on the Wall say we got to get out of here. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can download us at the iHeart Radio Network. You can download us at iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Got an off day on Tuesday. They're back at it in Ashford on Wednesday. As we get ready for the biggest game of the year, until possibly next week. Have a good one. Remember, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white.